Well, that was horrifying. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief in the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser. And guys, it is not a good week to be a Chiefs fan. I mean, I'm still happy that I'm a Chiefs fan, but I'm less happy about it than I was. Uh, (laughs) Where to begin? The Chiefs lost in utterly humiliating fashion to the New York Giants. Humiliating because they lost to the New York Giants. Um, It was just a gross game. Arguably the worst one I've seen them play during the Andy Reid era. And they've thrown out a few clunkers before. But never have I seen them lose to a team that played so abysmally. That I can remember at least. Maybe the Bears loss... Um, you know, a couple years ago when Jamal Charles tore, Jamal Charles tore his ACL, maybe. But even then, at least the Bears had to make some good plays down the stretch. This was basically just, you know, it was like a game of hot potato where, you know, the, the potato was the win and they were throwing it back and forth. You take it. No, you take it. And it was horrible. Absolutely horrible to watch. Just awful. My poor kids haven't even rewatched it or they haven't watched it yet. And I, I can't do that to them I, because I'm not a terrible father. I mean, you know, I might if they misbehave. That's what I'll do. You know, it'll be like a clockwork orange thing where it's just like, you know, I'll sit there and have force them to watch it. That's clockwork orange, right? It probably is. Anyway, just sit there and, you know, tape their eyelids open if they misbehave and force them to watch the Chiefs just play that badly. It was embarrassing to watch. And it's been a while. I haven't felt that way about the Chiefs since 2012. So... Yeah, that was gross. During this episode, I want to talk about that game and get that out of the way. Um, well, so that's going to take up some of our time. And then I'm going to talk about Alex Smith. I'm going to talk about Andy Reid. I'm going to talk about the pass rush issues. Oh, by the way, when I talk about Alex Smith, I'm going to talk about Patrick Mahomes too because I think – let me be very clear on this. It's time to have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Not saying it's time to call for anything or time to. I'm saying it's time to have a conversation about a conversation. How's that? A couple conversations removed. And then I want to talk about whether or not we should be looking forward to next year or keep looking at this year. Um, we'll even have time to uh, maybe look at some mailbag questions. I'm excited for that because maybe you guys will be able to distract me. Although scrolling through these mailbag questions. I think it's going to be more depressing than anything else. So that'll be great. That'll be exciting. First and foremost, what comes out of the Giants game, yet again, the Chiefs offense cannot figure out cover two and other zone looks. And the Giants, in my opinion, and I am not nearly as qualified to talk about this as your Matt Bowens of the world and people like that, you know, the smart football, any of those guys, that's just not me. That's not. I'm an amateur. However, I could recognize some of the coverages the Giants were running. And so it's not like they were doing this incredible job disguising their coverages the way the Cowboys did, the way the Steelers have done. They were playing a little more vanilla stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, they were just playing basic cover two all day. That is not what was happening. However, there's a reason why Travis Kelsey, after the game, was quoted basically saying, we can't figure out cover two. We're getting beat by, you know, and he didn't say this, but someone said it to me and I thought it was very eloquent. The Chiefs are getting befuddled by the default setting in Madden. I mean, cover two is one of the most basic things. If you play Madden 17 or I've heard Madden 18, I haven't played that one yet. 
There is actually a tutorial that walks you through how to beat cover two defense. This is not some secret sauce. No team, they're not doing anything that's just crazy complicated. The Chiefs just can't seem to execute their way past it. Um, that's a problem. And that's going to be a problem moving forward because the secret's out. Um, I always thought, man, the Steelers have been doing this to the Chiefs for a few years. But it really seems now, ever since that last Steelers game, the Raiders tried it. They didn't have nearly as much success. And I think that was partly a personnel issue. But Alex played very well against them as well. But even the Broncos employed looks that they don't normally employ. And since then, you've had the Cowboys and the Giants both make the Chiefs offense look foolish, especially the Giants. The Chiefs offense looked horrendous, and they are that's all they're going to see from here on out. Unless they, unless they blitz some team for 50 points, they're going to keep seeing this. And even if they do that, now that it's been a few performances in a row, you're going to see teams doing that until the Chiefs show they can consistently beat it. So that's going to be a real problem. Look, Alex Smith. We're going to talk about Alex a little later on the show. He, I, I, I've, I've reviewed some of the All-22. I haven't finished. So far, I'll be honest, it's been pretty horrible. Okay, it just, It's been a rough game for him so far. I'm not sure if it's as bad as Dallas was yet, but it's on its way to being that bad or maybe even worse. So that's where I'm at. We'll talk about him more later on. But for the record, it's not like it was just Alex. If you look on just, the, say, the second drive, they had a play where they ran a play action to uh, as though they were going to run right. Um, they ran it well. It fooled the defense. And Kelsey was running a, a cover two buster route to the outside on the left side of the field um, going across the field into one of the empty zones that the cover two creates. And he came open. The problem was Eric Fisher immediately whiffed on his block. I mean, whiffed badly. He, he, he had a jump set to the outside. The Giants pass rusher went inside and he didn't even lay a hand on him. Put Anthony Sherman in a terrible position, being off balance, trying to block him one-on-one. He managed to actually do okay. He held him off for a second. Unfortunately, that route was a longer developing one. You needed 2 to 2.5 seconds and they couldn't get it. So it's not like it's just on Alex. There were plays that the offensive line blew up. Eric Fisher, it's about time to maybe have a conversation about him because he has not been playing particularly well anytime I focus on him this year. Now, I haven't really gone Gone back and charted his snaps. So maybe it's that same old story. What it's often been with Eric Fisher, he looks way better on film than he does live because his bad plays are really bad. So they pop out to you. However, the last few years, he's been consistently pretty good. In fact, last year, I would call him good despite his occasional bad snaps being very bad. However, this year, I feel like I'm noticing more of that. And that's something to pay attention to because when what you have happening is Alex is struggling and then on the, the plays where they get it right and they run a good play call, they've got everything ready to go, but the pressure, the pressure just blows up. What are you going to do? It's like the offense was taking turns, sabotaging itself. Um, that was not a particularly great Giants defensive line they were playing, although they had guys healthy that everyone thought they were going to be sitting out. Turns out they didn't. So with everyone healthy, that defensive line is decent. But I would have liked to see the offensive line, now that the whole gang's back together, play better than they did. Uh, they didn't play horribly. Um, a lot of some of the pressure that I've seen so far in the film I've watched was created by Alex. But they didn't dominate the way I'd like to see. Um, you've got good individual players on that line. I would like to see them do 
better. As far as run blocking goes, teams are definitely, the Giants included, scheming to stop Kareem Hunt. The minute they see a handoff coming, they are in there. They're not stacking eight or nine in the box. However, when you've got guys with their eyes specifically on the backfield and they close in the minute they see a handoff, it's almost cheating to the box. They are waiting and they are converging on Kareem Hunt. He is their primary target at this point. It's Jamal Charles all over again. And while Kareem Hunt is very, very good, I don't think he's Jamal Charles. I don't think he's quite on that same level. I think he's great in some different ways, but he doesn't quite have that same elite vision that Charles has that allows him to completely, no matter what the blocking looks like, and no matter how keyed on he is, find that one little hole. Kareem needs things a little more laid out for him, as great as he is. And I think he's one of the best five runners in the NFL, make no mistake. But you need someone who's one of the best of all time to run when they're being keyed on that much and the run blocking isn't perfect. So that's a concern for me, the offensive line. So it's not just Alex. One good thing about the game, the defense showed up. Now they were aided in part by the fact that the Giants are just not good, right? There were some plays where they were dropped passes or Eli made a bad throw where you're like, whoo, that could have been worse than it was. On the flip side, you've got a defense that only gave up points for the most part, maybe for the whole part, off of turnovers. And that was that was the real that was the real issue. You know, you had a you had an Alex Smith interception that got returned all the way to, you know, almost to the red zone. That was one of the only times they gave up points. I actually wrote about this on Arrowhead Pride, um, where I just wrote about, you know, the day the excuses died. Because make no mistake, the Chiefs are out of excuses. I wrote about the fact that during the game, the Giants had seven consecutive drives, six where that ended with no points. Six of them were punts. One of them was they, they ran out on downs. Okay, you know, they, they turned it over on downs. And here's the thing. In those seven drives, four of them were three and outs. So it's not like the Chiefs were letting them drive the length of the field or any of the whole, you know, controlling the clock thing that people have said in the past to excuse the offense. The defense did fine. The run defense actually held up pretty solid. Giants averaged about three and a half yards per carry. Um they 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 did a pretty decent job in run defense, did a pretty decent job in pass defense. I know I got people saying, well, you know, when it counted, they couldn't stop them. You cannot ask a defense to stop a team literally every time. Eventually, something weird's going to happen. And that's what happened in overtime. They managed to string together a few good plays. That's what was bound to happen. The offense got the ball. They had a chance. They didn't take it. The offense got the ball back multiple times with a chance to take the lead. Throughout the game, they didn't do it. This loss, I pegged squarely on the offense. Yeah, the defense could have played better, but that's like when people blame Alex Smith for the loss to the Colts in the playoffs a few years ago. Because Just because someone could have played better, that doesn't mean that they sh- should shoulder blame. Because unless someone played perfect and no one ever plays perfect, that's a ridiculous stand to take. The defense wasn't incredible, but they held a team to nine points in regulation despite multiple turnovers by the offense. This was a good defensive performance aided by a terrible Giants team. And so at the end of the day, we just were stuck looking at the offense. Overall, they played a bad team that played badly and they lost. It'd be one thing if the Giants, because I've heard something, oh, Eli delivered a fiery speech before the game. No, the Giants played like crap. They just played a team that somehow managed to play even worse. One side of the football didn't show up at all. Outside of Kareem Hunt, 
who had a few just superhuman runs, despite having guys all over him everywhere he went. Tyreek Hill, who was, I mean, the only time they really gave him the ball outside of one go route, which he made an incredible catch on, but whatever. They were, were wide receiver screens. He showed up to play. Travis Kelsey showed up to play. Outside of that, the offense was just complete no-show. And the guys that did show up, they didn't get the ball off it enough or in the right position to succeed. And so it, it just it was just a frustrating game to watch. It it resets your entire view of the Chiefs. A few a few weeks ago, I said on this show that there weren't a lot of teams that scared me besides Pittsburgh because we've seen what the Chiefs can do. Now that's been drastically altered. Every team left on the schedule scares me. Jacksonville might beat the Chiefs by 40, okay? That could happen because I'm I'm trying to find how the Chiefs offense, as we're currently seeing it, is going to be able to perform against that Jacksonville defense. Their best hope is that the Jaguars say, our defense is good enough. We don't have to change what we do. And so they don't adapt this, this zone looks that they've been doing, and they run a bunch of man. Then I think the Chiefs could do something. But if they take all that talent they have on defense and do what everyone else has been doing, I think they could shut them out. And that's a scary thought that suddenly, man, the Chiefs have just showed this glaring weakness that they cannot seem to fix. When you lose to a terrible team, and the Giants are a terrible team, and you lose to a terrible team that plays terribly, and they played terribly, that resets my expectations for this team. Um, Up until that game, I still thought the Chiefs as a dark horse Super Bowl contender. And sure, anything can happen. You know, this is the NFL. Anything can happen. Anything can get turned around. Absolutely. We know that. We were, you know, I was there too during the one and five season turns into a playoff year. So I've seen it. However, I deal with what's likely, not what's literally possible. Is it possible the Chiefs go undefeated down the stretch and win the Super Bowl? Sure. It's the NFL. Things are crazy in the NFL. Is it likely? Uh, Not even a little, in my opinion. So here we are, you know. That's that's where we're at at this point. We've got completely revamped expectations for this team because they've gone from looking like a Super Bowl contender, great team, to a good team, to a good but flawed team, to a flawed team, to now it's like, man, are they are they a bad team? I have no idea. Hopefully they'll bounce back. I'm sh- you know Andy Reid's brought them back from worse than this recently, but they've got to figure some stuff out. And so the first thing that that everyone really does want to talk about, and I'm finally going to start talking about, you know, I didn't want to talk about after the Dallas game because even though there had been a couple bad games there, it just wasn't something I wanted to address. It's time to talk about Alex Smith and talk about him within the context of Patrick Mahomes. So that's the first thing we're going to get to. Then we're going to talk about Andy's play calling and some pass rush issues that the Chiefs have been having. We're going to do all that after this quick break. We'll finally, finally, finally have the Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes discussion. So uh, that should be fun, and we'll do that right after this. Patrick Mahomes. Pretty much any time you say his name, Chiefs fans get excited. Well, most Chiefs fans. There are some that are very, you know... (laughs) <laughs> still not too psyched up about the guy, but most Chiefs fans are really excited to see what he can do. Um, his ghost has hung over this entire season for Alex Smith. Um, Alex managed to keep it to be a pretty quiet ghost for the first five weeks because he was playing some pretty lights out football. Um, the only thing you heard was, well, yeah, but imagine if Mahomes was in, but most people were like, yeah, Alex is playing pretty well. It's tough to imagine Mahomes playing better than that or even as well. Well, Now we're in a different place, aren't we? 
Um, Alex had his second, as far as I know. Now, we'll see. Maybe the the rest of the film I'm going to watch unveils an incredible game from Alex. But if it keeps going the way it's been going, it's going to be another horrific performance from Alex, which makes two weeks in a row that he's played just absolutely abysmal football. Um, And that makes out of the last however many games – you looked of his last five performances, three of them have been absolutely terrible. Pittsburgh was awful, right? I mean, Pittsburgh was just awful. Oakland, he was good, though he had some flaws in that that I wrote about in his All-22 review. It wasn't as good as he'd been to start off the season. Um, against Denver, he was good under the circumstances, good but flawed, and I actually wrote about that too. He wasn't quite as good as he was in the season, but he wasn't bad. He was like 2016 good, maybe a little bit better because there were some tough circumstances in that game, and he got let down by a lot of teammates. And now we've got two horrible performances in a row. And what's more, the performances that are so bad, and it's such a predictable-looking outcome that it just blows up the whole for me at least, the idea of, well, he'll turn it around. Because the more you get into, you know, when it was, well, no, he had a bad game against Pittsburgh. Well, you know, he came back against Oakland, so, you know, one bad performance, whatever. And he was all right against Denver. He played pretty well against Denver. And then, well, a bad game against Dallas. Yeah, yeah, two of his last four have been bad, but, you know, he'll, he'll turn it around. They've got a, you know, good defensive front, blah, 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 blah. They needed the bye week, blah, blah, blah. Then they go to New York, and he gets just eviscerated by a terrible defense. And he looked bad, okay? Um, I, I've already thrown some gifts up on Twitter where he's just he get, he's getting happy feet. He's missing some guys. He just did not play well. He looks jittery in the pocket again. It's a lot like what we saw in his worst days in 2016, um, which I would argue was his worst year as a chief. And... After starting off so brilliantly and he was so good, it's just disheartening to see him returning to all these same bad habits. And look, man, he made some runs for first downs where he sacrificed his body. I respect Alex Smith. I think he's a gamer. I think he wants to win. But he had happy feet. He was missing guys. He he just he was throwing the ball horribly inaccurately. And before you talk to me about the wind, um, you know, as 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 a quarterback, you know what kind of wind you're throwing into. And so you got it. You got to adjust for that. You know, it's like it's like that guy, you know, that you used to play basketball with outside. And every time you missed, oh, that wind took that. It's like, well, you knew the wind was blowing when you shot the ball, didn't you? And so I don't buy this idea that Alex was just, you know, the wind just completely threw him off because he looked bad in a lot of other aspects, too. So what do we do now? And that's what a lot of people are asking me. Is it Mahomes time yet? Okay, fine. Let's have a conversation. We are officially having the, is it time to bring in Patrick Mahomes conversation, which means many people that I really like and respect that cover the Chiefs are going to be really mad at me because they say things like anyone who brings that up as being an idiot. And that's fine. They can call me an idiot. I've been called worse. I'm not saying it's time to bring in Patrick Mahomes because Alex did play so well earlier in the season. It's three out of five performances. Um, There's been issues with the rest of the team as well. I get it. And I don't know what Mahomes looks like. I don't know what he looks like on the practice squad. I don't know what he looks like or on the scout team. I don't know what he looks like, you know, in the film room. I don't know what the coaches are thinking at all. If I know Andy Reid at all, at least based on his prior actions that we've seen since he's been in Kansas City, I don't think it's even entering Andy Reid's mind to bring in Patrick Mahomes. I really don't. I think he'll get mad if someone suggests it. 
Um, so do I think it'll happen? Absolutely not. I don't right now. But is it time to start having a conversation? I think it is. Again, three of the last five performances for Alex were absolutely brutal. Not just bad, but I mean terrible. Not just mediocre, terrible. Absolutely terrible in that he was one of the main reasons they lost the game. If Alex plays at an average level against Pittsburgh, against Dallas, and against the Giants, the Chiefs win all three of those games. Just average performance by him because those games were relatively close and the offense couldn't do jack or squat. The defense has actually kind of pulled it together a bit the last few games, but now all of a sudden we're right back to where we felt like we were years ago where the defense did fine and the offense couldn't do anything. Only this time the defense isn't as good as it used to be, so we know that can't keep up. And so there's also the issue of the fact that the nature of the issues that Alex is having, they seem so basic. Um, this cover two thing that everyone's talking about now, I mean, everyone, you know, it's, it, it's as though, you know, they've uh, some secret to beat Alex Smith has been unlocked. I don't think it's as simple as that. In fact, I, I'm certain it's not. If Alex Smith were going to lose to basic cover two defenses, he never would have ended up as a starting quarterback. He's been facing cover two defenses. He faced them in the first five games. He faced him last year. He faced him the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. So it's not just that simple, but right now, for whatever reason, he can't seem to beat them. He seems really unsure about his pre-snap reads. Um, the most, you know, even pretty kind of basic disguises seem to be bothering him. And when Alex Smith is not certain what he's looking at pre-snap, he becomes an entirely different quarterback. He is extraordinarily dependent on his pre-snap reads, much more so than some other good quarterbacks. Um that's what he lives and dies off of is a diagnosing the coverages and knowing where he's going to go. So when he snaps that ball and it doesn't go according to plan and the defense doesn't do what he thinks it's supposed to do every time, not every time, sorry, most times, especially lately, you see Alex panicking and making poor throws. His footwork just falls off the face of the earth. And with Alex, he doesn't have the arm to get away with that. And it's just, it, it's an awful thing to see. He looks significantly worse. He becomes a legitimately bad NFL quarterback. One thing that was different about him earlier in the year is even on snaps where maybe things didn't quite go according to plan, like against the Redskins, for example, he was ad-libbing very well. And that's what had us all going, whoa, we saw that against Houston too. And against Philadelphia, he was ad-libbing when things didn't go according to plan. And that was the big next step where we were all like, holy crap, he looks like a different quarterback. Well, it uh, it hasn't lasted or teams are throwing him off so often now that it's just making everything exponentially worse. I, I, I can't explain the whys. I can't crawl inside Alex Smith's head. But what I know is as of late, he's played more horrible quarterback than he's played good quarterback because even in the games where he's been good against Oakland and against Denver, and I know people argue with me about Denver. I don't look at base stats. I look at the film. His film was good against Denver. However, even in Denver and Oakland, while he was good, he wasn't snap by snap good the way he was against the Texans, especially against the Redskins for the most part, against the Eagles for the most part, against the Patriots for sure. He was snap by snap good in those games. And I'm talking about snap by snap consistency. And that's where we're seeing Alex fall off. It has been weeks and weeks since we've had a game where Alex was consistently good throughout the game. And I don't just mean having a bad snap or two. Every quarterback has a bad snap or two or three or four throughout the game. I mean having whole drives where he looks a little off. He had those against Oakland. He had those against Denver. So the snap-by-snap -snap consistency is worrying for me. 
when you, especially when you combine it with the other issues I'm talking about here. So why do I say all this? Because I hate Alex Smith. No, I've spent years defending Alex Smith. I have. I say all this because in the past, when Alex Smith has struggled, there hasn't been even the, the, the consideration of bringing anyone else in. Well, now they got a guy sitting on a bench um, who maybe just so happens to be good at the things that are currently flummoxing Alex Smith. Um, you know, hitting hitting those those seams, hitting those boundary throws, hitting those intermediate and deep shots that are required to bust up cover two coverage, throwing guys open, buying time in the pocket, all those things that seems like Alex Smith is just struggling to do. Hey, what do you know? Those are all Patrick Mahomes' strengths. Alex is playing poorly enough that he really should sweat his job a little bit. He should. Um, for people saying, "Oh no, you don't," you, you know, you know, the Chiefs, they they they're not. You're going to take away their shot at the Super Bowl. You can't you can't bench Alex Smith because of how well he played. Really, the NFL is a "What have you done for me lately?" league. It really is. That's why Derek Johnson saw barely half the snaps against Dallas, despite his incredible body of work as a Chief. Because you've got to make decisions based on what's currently happening. What's currently happening is Alex Smith is playing badly. So here's what I will say with all of this. If Alex Smith comes out and has another terrible game against the Bills and the Chiefs, win or lose, honestly, then it's time to really start having a serious conversation. Because at that point, what do you have to lose? Patrick Mahomes isn't going to get ruined by getting thrown into the fire. He is in a better situation than he was at Texas Tech, and that didn't ruin him. So this is not going to ruin him. His offensive line and people, oh, that's going to get him killed. No, it's way better than the protection he had before. Because remember, while he was playing against college players, he was playing with college players. That didn't ruin him. This won't either. He's now had time to sit on the bench and learn about diagnosing defenses. And frankly, that's supposed to be the thing that's keeping Alex ahead of him, right? Well, Alex isn't doing it right now. So if that problem persists for another week, and now you've got three awful weeks in a row, what are you losing exactly? At that, at this point, now that things have kind of gone the direction we have, Alex Smith barring an incredible turnaround, an unbelievable turnaround to where he plays just as well as he played the first five weeks of the season to close out the entire year and they win the Super Bowl. Barring that, he's out. That's going to happen. So what do you do that's best for the long-term good of the franchise? You get the Rook some playing time, and you see if he can't turn things around. Because, frankly, I have a hard time believing Patrick Mahomes would be worse than Alex was against the Giants and against Dallas. I have a hard time believing that. I think Patrick Mahomes, had you thrown him into the fire right away, would be better than what we saw against the Giants and against the Cowboys. And so if the, if, if the floor has fallen that low, you're not risking anything. Because if Alex keeps playing like this, the Chiefs aren't going anywhere anyway. So you might as well get the guy some playing time and see if he can't provide a little bit of a spark. And again, does that mean I think Mahomes is a better quarterback than Alex? I don't think so, but I do know that well, – I don't know. I'm pretty certain that he's better than what we've seen the last couple weeks. And so if you see it for another week and it costs the Chiefs another game, or even if it doesn't, it's time to start having a serious discussion. And so that's – you know I'm, I'm going to get flamed for that. I don't care. You cannot watch horrible quarterback play week after week after week. You can't do it. Not when you potentially have another option and it potentially benefits your franchise moving forward. So that's my 
conversation about a conversation. We'll see what next week conversation holds because, you know, everyone knew if Alex struggled, people were going to call for Mahomes. I knew that I would if Alex struggled. Everything I've heard is that at every turn, Mahomes has impressed them and been ahead of where they thought he would be. Well, if Alex has lost it, you know, if he's got the yips or whatever, then it, it's time to to look towards the future. If 2017 looks like things aren't going to quite work out the way they, they look. The only reason we all really turned our attention on to 2017 is because the Chiefs looked like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Not just a playoff contender, but a Super Bowl contender. Now things have fallen back to earth. So now it's like, okay, let's not just think about this year, but let's think about next year too. What's the best case scenario? Well, best case scenario is that Patrick Mahomes hits the ground running next year. And the best way to do that would be to get him some playing time this year. So when you combine Buying all those things together, let's see how Alex plays against the Bills because they're bad. They just got whomped by the Chargers. They are not a good team. They they started off well. They've been playing horribly. Their coach seems to have lost them, kind of like the Giants. But if Alex can't figure out the cover two and, and figure out zone disguises another week, there's no reason to keep him in because the big advantage he had over Mahomes has vanished. Okay? So... We'll we'll see we'll see what happens with that. I do want to talk very briefly. I of course ranted on that longer than I meant to about Andy Reid's play calling. I've had a lot of people talk to me about it. I had a real problem with how Andy Reid called the Giants game. Way too many wide receiver screens. Everything looked predictable. I called out draw and screen probably about seven or eight times before they actually happened. Um, I could tell I could tell whether they were going to do a play action or actually hand the ball off based on the blocking and based on, on, on Alex and Kareem Hunt. If I can tell, so could the defense, and it looked like it. So I do have some issues with how Andy Reid called the game. One thing I will say, though, after getting through some of the snaps on all 22, there were opportunities created. There were missed shots by Alex Smith. There were happy feet by Alex Smith. There were missed plays by the offensive line, plays that they should easily be able to make, like the example, the Fisher play that I talked about. It looked, to an extent, more like an execution issue to me. There were zone buster routes that were called, and the guys didn't get the ball for various reasons. And so the people that are screaming for Andy Reid's head – Andy Reid did a better job than the vast majority of the offensive players on the field. And it's not like he was asking them to do things that they haven't done or that they can't do. So that's a real abbreviated version. Um, Andy Reid, you know, he struggled that game. He was not as good as I would have liked him to be. But on the flip side, the issues were much more execution in nature than they were play calling, in my opinion. Um I want to tackle pass rush issues because the Chiefs have had them. But first, uh, we need to take one more break. We're going to dive into pass rush, talk about a few more things, and we'll get into mailbag. So we'll do all that right after this. So the pass rush, I've had a lot of people talk to me about Justin Houston. Um, I do think Justin Houston isn't quite as explosive. I do think he's, well, I can't tell, honestly. I really can't. Because every time I go back and watch the film, he looks fine. But I've got a lot of people asking me why Justin Houston isn't affecting the games as much as you'd like. And if I if I, if I could put my finger on anything, what I would say is if you look back in time at Tom Bahali's career, I think you have an answer. If you look at Tom Bahali's career, his first two years, he had eight sacks, then he had seven and a half sacks. So 06 and 07, eight, and then seven and a half. Then suddenly 2008, he had three. Three sacks, and we all wondered, man, what happened to Tamba? And then in 2009, it went up to 8.5. And suddenly, 2010 and 2011, 14.5, 12, 2012, 9, 2013, 11. And so, what happened? Well, if you all remember, Jared Allen got traded. 
And then suddenly Tom Bahali became basically the only pass rusher on the Chiefs. And you saw that especially true in the 2008 season. There was no one else that was getting it done. And that is where I think – and then what you see in 2000, 2010, 2011, 2012, that's when you had some other players come in, especially Houston in 2011. He got some help from Wallace Gilberry in 2010. There were some good things that happened that allowed for pressure to occur. And so – Part of that, you know, also, you know, winning games, forcing other teams to pass the ball, the better your team, the more likely that's going to happen. That's all situational. But in large part, he had help. And here's what I would say. Even great pass rushers need help. Otherwise, they're going to get schemed around all day. And Justin Houston's in a unique spot because I think Bob Sutton is using Houston in not in the same role, but for a similar job as Eric Berry in that he's asking him to cover deficiencies elsewhere. There are plenty of plays against the Giants where I saw Houston play as though he were playing contain, even though it was a pass play, where he was set out in coverage on a pass play, where he was asked to do things besides just go after the quarterback. And the plays where he was going after the quarterback, he would invariably, not every play, but invariably, get chipped, get hit by a running back or by a tight end, that kind of thing. Now, does that mean he didn't have plays where he got shut down? No, it doesn't mean that one bit. Every single pass rusher in the league gets shut down on multiple plays a game. It happens. What I'm saying is with Houston, we're seeing a combination of his usage combined with how teams are playing against him and the fact that he has no help right now. Chris Jones has been okay, but he has not been any better than he was his rookie season. Maybe even a little less consistent snap by snap. And no one else is getting to the quarterback. No one else is causing any pressure. So on snaps where Houston does cause pressure, there are constantly lanes for quarterbacks to bail out from. Even Eli Manning is scrambling for big gains, which is, I mean, that I think that's rock bottom. I could be wrong, but I think that's rock bottom. And so with Houston... What I would just tell you, if you think Houston isn't playing well, go back and watch the tape because he is playing well. People saying, oh, he's not as impactful. Those are people, in my opinion, and all due respect to you, if that's the opinion that you have, is that what you're doing is you're looking at a number on a stat sheet. You're looking at sack numbers and saying that's how you measure impact. I'm saying sack numbers are in part a team stat. That's why Khalil Mack isn't one of the league leaders in stat in sacks, despite the fact that he is a monster of a pass rusher. He doesn't have any real help. Irvin helps sometimes, but not enough. It's a measure of where your team is at. If your team is playing from behind a lot or in really tight games where offenses aren't forced to throw much, they you'll find it time after time, sack numbers go down. That's just a reality. Even the Broncos are getting to the quarterback less this year because teams can just run the ball on them. They're not desperate to throw. That is a huge deal. And with Houston, it's largely situational. Any game you watch, you turn on the film, he has been by far the best defensive player on the field. Um, do I think he looks a little less explosive? I think he does. Depends on the game, game by game. But even in games where I'm thinking he looks less explosive, suddenly a snap will occur where he just you know, goes nuts and blows off the ball or runs down a running back. And so I don't know. But I will say, you know, the idea that Justin Houston is somehow this faded player, I just don't agree with it. I have had people tell me that I'm some kind of Justin Houston apologist. And here's what I'll say to that. I'm not an apologist for anyone. I've been called an Alex Smith apologist for years, but now I'm basically saying, meh. And the reason for that is because I just say what I see on film. What I see on film is not a struggling Justin Houston. It's a struggling Chiefs defense that is dragging down its best player. That's just how I see it. And so I'm not too worried about Houston. I am worried about the defense. 
and speaking of the defense, you know, we've seen some changes. You know, DJ saw 50% of the snaps against the Giants. Raglan saw 68%, played what I think was by far his best game. He had some really nice run stops, and so that was really encouraging. KPL played half the snaps. Um, and did pretty well from what I saw. And so I do think you're starting to see the changing of the guard there, and I think that's going to help the defense. Um, overall, the defense played all right. But we all know, we've all seen the holes in the defense, and some of it I just don't think can be addressed until next year. And so now the question I've had people ask me, is it time to just start thinking about next year? Or should we still be thinking about this year? Here's what I'd say to that. This year, they're, they're still, I mean, they're still 6-4. and four. They're still at the top of their division. I'm going to keep thinking about this year, even though it feels like it's time to start thinking about next year after two horrible losses in a row. I think that's an emotional reaction. And I think if you really sit back and think about it, anything can happen in the NFL. The Chiefs still have plenty of time to right this ship down the stretch. And I really hope they do. The things they want are still within reach. Alex Smith said that last week. That's still true. They just got to start taking care of business. Um, the big thing that I would say is what's been surprising is the last few games, suddenly it's the offense that's the problem again. And that's frustrating when you've got guys like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill that your offense could be the issue because any offense in the NFL would kill to have those guys as weapons. Absolutely kill to have them. Um, they, they are mismatched nightmares, and they are two guys that you can absolutely build an offensive game plan around. And that's if you leave out Kareem Hunt. That trio, Hunt, Hill and Kelsey, I very much believe that was deservedly being mentioned as one of the very best in the NFL through the first five weeks when Alex was playing well. Now that Alex isn't, those guys are still playing well, but it affects them statistically. And so that, that's been a rough gig for those guys. But as far as the offensive problems go, I don't know if they can solve them. You would think coming out of a bye week, they would have. Now, if they go out and hang 50 on the Bills while the Bills play cover two the whole time, great. But at this point, I need to see it. I need to be shown that there's something going on here. I need to be shown that they can really attack the defenses that are really giving them problems. And so that's going to take multiple weeks because over multiple weeks, they've decimated our confidence in them. It's going to take multiple weeks. I certainly hope they come out and start playing lights out football again for three or four weeks. But at this point, it's getting harder and harder to believe in the offense. So that's going to be something to watch. But despite that, no, nah, it's not the time to start thinking about next year yet. The Chiefs still have a good team, I think. <laughs> We've seen it. We know it exists. It's the same roster, same coach. For whatever reason, they've lost a bit of their spark. I think they can get it back, and I'm hoping this Sunday will be a first step to that. And if not, well, then you got to start talking about doing some pretty drastic things, and we've already talked about that, so we don't need to recover it. But at this point, I'm still looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, yes, it's it's easy to look forward to 2018 because there are going to be guys who are gone, and we all know it. And suddenly there's going to be, you know, they're going to go from being a team with no cap room to probably a team with at least 30 million in cap room and suddenly enough money to maybe plug up some of the holes that exist. So that'll be fun to deal with. But as of right now, I'm keeping my head in the here and now and what they can do this year. So with all that said, we got time for a few mailbag questions. Um, the first one is from a Michael Dewey says, was our defense better with DJ playing less snaps or is it just because the Giants don't have a good offense? Um, it was a little bit of both. Um, DJ actually played pretty well when he was in, as far as I can tell. Um, and so uh, maybe he's starting to come around. That would be unbelievably great. Maybe pitching him, you know, maybe having a pitch count for him will help DJ out. His replacements played pretty well too. 
or not necessarily replacements, but guys that they had rotating in. So I think it was a combination. That and the Giants are bad. That definitely helped. Um, Brandon Hur asks, saw a few hits from Peters. Are we turning a corner on the soft tackling? I noticed that too. I personally think that that was always a bit of an overwrought narrative. People viewed it as Peters being soft. I don't think Marcus Peters is soft. I think Marcus Peters is pressing to make big plays. I think he feels more of a responsibility to make big plays. So he's always trying to rip the ball away. And now, yes, there are things that people have noticed him backing away from, from piles and that kind of thing. I think that's been a bit overwrought as well. Cause once you start looking for that from corners, you're going to find it with almost all of them with rare exceptions. But yes, it was good seeing him make a few hits. And so I'm really hoping to see more of that from him moving forward. Uh, Potter who's at Potter C. M asks, is the offense passing horizontally more than earlier in the season, or does it just seem that way since they're having less success vertically? I think it's a little bit of both. So far as I'm charting the Giants game, there's more behind the line of scrimmage passes. So against the Giants, it was definitely the case. But I think part of it is what we saw was it was really interspersed earlier in the year with a bunch of intermediate and deep shots too. And so, and plus when those things have more success, you forget about them being horizontal plays when it goes for 20 yards and so teams are just really starting to to attack the Chiefs on the perimeters and creep up to the line of scrimmage and so I I, I don't it's happening a little more frequently but it's also yes the lack of success vertically so the correct answer is both yes that's that's your classic lawyer response um I am asked by Justin Stanforth with what you're seeing in Alex's film review. Is this a problem that could be fixed with a different quarterback? Or do you think that it's an issue of play calling where it wouldn't matter who's playing quarterback? Um, All due respect to Alex, I think it's been a quarterback issue mostly. Not completely. There's been some O-line issues. There's been a few play calling issues. um, But it's in that order. I think a lot of it's been Alex has just been playing very poorly. And I do think, yes, a superior quarterback or a quarterback who's playing better. Um, who maybe isn't quite so reliant on his pre-snap reads, I think it could make a big difference. Um, Justin asks, how badly have the past couple weeks affected Alex's trade value? A lot. Um, that just is what it is. Um, yeah, I wish I, I wish I had some way of accurately gauging it. But unless he turns it around and just finishes the season on fire, his trade value has been really hurt. For sure. And even if he does finish the season pretty strong, teams are going to have this stretch to look at and say, huh, so maybe he is not, he is not completely, you know, you know, a new Alex and that, that, that that's going to cause doubt. And what I was really hoping is he'd play the whole season in a way to where they have no doubt. Um, the last question that I'm going to take on here, there's there's quite a few here. Um, where can the Chiefs improve their pass rush? It's been non-existent for most of the season. Um, personally, I think what they need to start doing is they need to start getting creative with blitzes um, because everything else they're doing isn't working. Guys aren't winning one-on-one besides Houston for the most part. So that's what I would do if I were them. It's an unfortunate, uh, it's it's an unfortunate thing that they got to do it and they can't just win one-on-one. But it is what it is. Actually, I got one more because this is an important issue. Uh, Kale asked me, what's your take on players who have been butting heads with some fans on Twitter? These are people, these are human beings. And also they're like, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old. Some fans are complete jerks on Twitter. I have people that are jerks to me on Twitter. And so I got to say the idea, because you know, the butting heads, I I've seen Chris Conley and Albert Wilson a little bit, um, and I wouldn't even call it butting heads, but they've just been very like, wow, seriously? And I personally am absolutely okay 
with them saying that with them, you know, saying, wow, you're, you guys are really coming out there. Cause usually what they're responding to just check a, a player's mentions. Sometimes just check their mentions and see, you know, what they deal with on a daily basis. Now, does that make it okay completely? No, I'm not excusing it completely. I'm not excusing it if they start attacking people, but I have no problem with them calling someone out for being a jerk. Cause you can say, Oh, that's what they signed up for. Well, to be fair, As a guy who writes about the Chiefs and as a guy who writes for a pretty big platform in Arrowhead Pride, I guess I signed up to have people be a jerk on towards me occasionally, and they are. But guess what? That doesn't mean I don't respond, right? And so obviously what I face is maybe one-twentieth what these guys face, if that. Probably more like one-one-millionth. And I actually just, especially the last few probably, oh, six months or so as Arrowhead Pride has grown and as my Twitter account has grown because some of y'all are crazy and like to follow me on Twitter, I have actually gotten just a little bit of a taste of what bigger Twitter accounts have to deal with. And I got to tell you, I use that mute button. I occasionally call people out for acting a certain way. And so I can't blame some 24-year-old. And you got to remember, these guys are 23, 24. They're kids. I'm not going to blame them for acting the exact same way I do in the face of something much worse. So I personally don't have a problem with it one bit. I really don't because really what you've got is, you know, grown men and grown women saying horrible things and then saying, Oh no, he's an athlete. He shouldn't talk to me like that. That's ridiculous. People are allowed to be humans. And I guess if everyone treated their favorite athletes like they were humans, I think we'd all be a lot better off. (laughs) Actually, let me let me change that. If we all treated each other and everyone else, including people we don't like, like they're human beings, we'd all be a lot better off. There's there's my philosophical thought to end the day. I appreciate you guys listening. Please don't forget to subscribe and review and all that stuff on Podbean or iTunes or whatever it is you're using. Um, I think we're on Google play. I don't know. It really does make a difference by you subscribing. Um, it it helps me out. It'll help me continue to bring this to you. If you enjoy what you're listening to, um, as always, I can't believe you guys are willing to listen to me. It's an absolute privilege to rant about the chiefs. Um, this has been the chief in the North, the land of 10,000 takes. Thanks for listening guys. And you know what? Hopefully next week is a good week to be a chiefs fan.